The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay, we're talking about adrenaline junkies today. Um, first of all, you know, what is adrenaline? Adrenaline is something that makes people superhuman. It's something that is triggered by the body's fear response. And when we find ourselves under intense pressure, fear unleashes reserves of energy that normally remain in, inaccessible. But we become, in effect, superhumans when uh, people have that adrenaline rush. And so many people get very addicted to the idea that they can become superhuman. I mean, who wouldn't want to be superhuman? Look at all the Marvel movies out there and uh, DC comic movies. Of course, people love to become superhuman. So many people get very addicted to adrenaline because it boosts their self-esteem. It gives them, uh, it gives them a power that they never had. And so under acute stress, the body's sympathetic nervous system prepares the body for sustained vigorous action. Uh, the adrenal gland dumps cortisol and adrenaline into the bloodstream and blood pressure surges and the heart races, delivering oxygen and energy to the muscles. It's the biological equivalent of opening the throttle of an engine. That's basically what it is. Now, who wouldn't want that? It's, it's a great feeling. You know, it's no coincidence that the world's uh, record athlete athletic events tend to get broken at major events like the Olympics, you know, where the stakes are high and the pressure is the greatest. And, uh, you know, of the eight gold medals, by the way, that Michael Phelps won in the 2008 Olympics, seven were world records. Not only that, but when he crossed the finish line in the men's 100-meter butterfly at 50.58 seconds, breaking the previous Olympic record, three of the other seven swimmers who finished after him also came in ahead of the previous record. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that, that is adrenaline talking right there. The mechanisms by which the brain is able to summon greater reserves of power have not been well explored. And, and, and But in many related to other uh, fear superpowers, anogasia, or the inability to feel pain, uh, when I'm at the gym straining to compete at the last rep of a dumbbell exercise, it's pretty hard to imagine that my muscles have the capacity to work half again harder than they already are. And what the feeling is, is a screaming agony without adrenaline. Adrenaline gives you that superpower and basically doubles the power of your muscle to do things that you normally could not do. But under intense pressure, whether it's a bodybuilding, a kid trapped under a car, a, a, an attacking bear, 
you just won't feel the pain. The body pulls out all the stops unless you turn up the dial up to 11 and you don't feel the ache of your muscles. You don't even feel the pain. You just do what it needs to be done. And that's what adrenaline does for you. When tension runs high and adrenaline is, is secreted into your body, some crazy things happen, sometimes called fight or flight. And that is important to understand. Your heart rate increases and specifically your body starts sending blood to all your big muscles and diverts it away from non-critical parts of your body like your brain, the immune system, digestive system. I guess someone figured you could just digest a sandwich after you uh, killed a bear. <laughs> you know, your pupils dilate. And you get tunnel vision. Quite literally, adrenaline also reduces your peripheral vision, which together with your big, wide pupils helps you focus on what lies ahead. You can't quite see through walls, but if, but if a crow is uh, diving at your eyes, you might be able to swat it better. You know, your body also gets uh, ready to boot it. In addition to the rising heart rate, your, your body starts turning lots more stuff into sugar, raising your blood pressure and your sugar level and filling you with energy. You might not even feel pain as easily. So the, you know, uh, the raspberry bu uh, bushes that shred your legs when you're running out of the forest won't slow you down. And, and, but that's also what's great about adrenaline. You don't have to control it. It just sort of kicks in under high gear when it figures you could use a boost. You know, I, I think it's kind of cool knowing that your body will help you out when you need it the most. You know, uh, funny and really, it, it isn't like a, a little dose of adrenaline that helps you do a better job when you need it most. It's a natural upper helping you nail that big speech, ace the final exam, or perhaps flee from those, those crazy things that chase you. You know, there's a reason some people become adrenaline junkies. The boost you get from your adrenal glands wakes up and gets you out of bed. It is intoxicating. I mean, it's like, bang. It's like you're suddenly alive. I mean, sure, it, it, it fuzzes up your thinking a bit and it sends your intestines on sabbatical, but it sure does pump you up. And remember, when something important in your life is about to happen, you can count on adrenaline to be there, juicing you up and helping you fight the good fight. You know, what is, there's an adrenaline test. And what the majority of research studies examining relationships between extreme risk-taking sports, personalities that are risk-takers, what they've done is they've tested these people to see exactly how uh, adrenaline works and how it functions and who are the people that get addicted to it. For those of you that don't know, uh, the, the adrenaline test is called TCI, which is a self-report personality questionnaire that assesses both normal and abnormal variation in temperament and character. And uh, there's a, a doctor called Montestero and their, his colleagues assessed their simple base of jumpers using the TCI-235, which is, once again, a self-report of 235 items assessing seven basic dimensions of temperament and character. And so what they find is that temperament, you know, refers to the automatic emotional responses that are thought to be modern heritable, independent, genetically homogeneous, and stable over time. And there are four temperament dimensions. There's the novelty-seeking uh, adrenaline junkies, 
and they have a tendency to activate or initiate new behaviors with propensity to seek out new or novel experiences like impulsive decision-making, extravagance, quick loss of temper, an active avoidance of frustration. There's also harm avoidance. That's another category that is broken down in the TCI 235. Harm avoidance is a tendency to inhibit behaviors with a uh, a sense to worry in anticipation of, of future problems, fear of uncertainty, rapid uh, fatal ability, shyness in the company of strangers. There's another uh, category which is called reward dependence, and that is a tendency to maintain behaviors that are manifested by dependency on approval of others, social attachments, and sentimentality. There's also another called persistence, and that is a tendency to be hardworking, industrious, and persistent despite frustration and fatigue. Uh, this character uh, refers to concepts and individual differences and goals and values that can be influenced by social factors such as learning, the process of maturation. The, you know, the character dimensions are like this, self-directedness is a part of persistence, the category of adrenaline, and, and uh, self-directedness is basically uh, a personal integrity, self-integrity, willpower, that's a motive. And then there's cooperativeness, which refers to individual differences in identification with and acceptance of other people. And then there's also self-transcendence, which is part of persistence. And this is, once again, persistence is one of the four categories of the adrenaline test. And it refers to the religious faith, viewing oneself as an integral part of the universe in other ways. These are all motivators that drive adrenaline. And when we know what these motivators are and what these categories are, we're better able to help people manage their need for adrenaline because not only can adrenaline be positive but it also has some very very strong health consequences and so that that is so important to understand especially as you start aging is the use of adrenaline can be wonderful and it does and it does leave your body fairly quickly but the after effect of it also causes enormous amount of stress on your body so you know where does adrenaline come from well it comes from the adrenal glands and, and there's two glands. They, they both sit on top of your kidneys, and, and they're made up of two very distinct parts. One of them is the adrenal cortex, the, the outer part of the gland, and this produces hormones that are vital to life, such as cortisol, which helps regulate your metabolism, helps your body respond to stress, and also uh, uh, aldosterone, which helps restore blood pressure. And then there's the adrenal medulla, and this is an inner part of the gland, and it produces non-essential. And that is, you don't need them to live, but they're hormones such as adrenaline, which helps your body react to stress. When you think of the adrenal glands, they're also uh, known, in other terms, some people know them as the uh, suprarenal glands. Stress might come to mind, and rightly so. The adrenal glands are arguably best known for secreting Hormone adrenaline, which rapidly prepares your body to spring into action in a stressful situation. But the adrenal glands also contribute to your health, even at times when your body isn't under extreme stress. In fact, they release hormones that are essential for you to live. Um, those hormones help the body control blood sugar, burn protein and fat, react to stressors like major illness or injury, and they also regulate blood pressure. And so it is so important to be aware of this factor. Two of the most important adrenal hormones are cortisol and aldosterone. 
The, the adrenal glands also produce adrenaline and small amounts of sex hormones called androgens, among other hormones. So, you know, I know these are a lot of terms that are probably hard to swallow or hard to listen to, but they're very important to understand because adrenaline is a factor for every human being, and it comes into play with every human being in different ways. And once again, when we look at the categories of people, once again, we talk about the novelty-seeking people, the harm avoidance people, the reward dependence people, and the persistent people, those people, when you understand what triggers your adrenaline, you're better able to manage it. Um, also, adrenal disorders can be caused by too much or too little of a particular hormone. Uh, for example, like the Cushing syndrome is caused by an overproduction of cortisol. Uh, more commonly, the use of medications called glucocorticoids. Uh, Cortisol-like drugs, which are used to treat inflammatory disorders such as asthma, rheumatoid arthritis. You know, untreating Cushing syndrome can lead to diabetes, high blood pressure, osteoporosis, and other health issues. So when adrenal glands produce too much aldosterone, the blood pressure rises. And so uncontrolled high blood pressure can put you at risk for a stroke, a heart attack, kidney failure, heart failure, and also, adrenal insufficiency occurs when the adrenal glands don't make enough cortisol. And sometimes, aldosterone symptoms include fatigue, uh, muscle weakness, de decreased appetite, weight loss. Some people experience nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And, and adrenal insufficiency is treated with hormones that replace the hormones in your, that your body's lacking. So it's extremely important to understand this. And uh, the good news is that conditions caused by overproduction or underproduction of adrenal hormones are treatable and they can help your health over a long term. And so when we look at adrenaline junkie, we have to look at the consequences that come with that. And so it is very important to break this term down. What in the world is an adrenaline junkie? And, it, you know, back in, um, I think, 1991, there was a movie, I think it was called Point Break, in reference to people who favor dangerous activities for the adrenal rush that accompanies them. And I think this term was around probably before, but it became popular back then. You know, you don't have to be a bank robber, a skydiver, or obvious uh, danger seeker to be hooked on the rush that comes from a little stress. Adrenaline junkies come in much more subtle forms. There's a subtle adrenaline junkie. The everyday adrenaline junkie is much more subtle, common than the sensational characters in all these movies. Though less subtle and more sensational than the average person, they tend to create drama and crisis in their lives, either on a conscious or an unconscious level. To trigger the body's stress response can get the rush that comes with the excitement. These are people who don't merely survive well under pressure, but work best under stressful circumstances. You know, here's some examples of adrenaline junkies who may be in your life. People who always seem to have a crisis going on, real or overblown, or surround themselves with troubled people who, who constantly need their help. Also, there's the people who are always rushing with a, with a packed schedule, and if things begin to slow down, they take on more. There's also uh, people that have dramatic conflicts with people in their lives, exploding in anger and otherwise causing unnecessary drama. 
There's also students or workers who wait until the last minute to begin a project, and then they need to really scramble to get it done. Who, who doesn't know those kind of people? You know, the list can go on and on, but you get the big picture. This is not to say that every busy or crisis-ridden uh, person is an adrenaline junkie, but some people do come by these circumstances by chance. But if it, the circumstance that seems to span years takes on different forms, then that is an adrenaline junkie. And if you're an adrenaline junkie, while there are plenty of legitimate reasons why one's life can maintain a continual aura of drama, the label adrenaline junkie seems a bit harsh and final to pin on anyone, particularly yourself. The, the concept does provide an interesting angle, which when you examine your life, you know, if you're leading an exciting life, and if it isn't a problem, unwittingly creating crisis for yourself or becoming needlessly engulfed in stressful situations can take its toll. So if you tend to create more drama in your life than necessary, the benefit of becoming is twofold, becoming an adrenaline junkie. You can begin to keep things exciting, but take crisis off the edge and pare it down and just work off of stress. There's also relaxation techniques that can assist you. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come into the lifespan question that's involved in adrenaline. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about adrenaline and adrenaline junkies. And, you know, there's always this lifespan question around adrenaline. You know, it is a very natural occurring thing. When, you're, when your uh, sympathetic nervous system kicks in and shunts blood away from your stomach, your GI tract enforces it to all your extremities, your pupils dilate to let in more light so you can see better. This action is also, you know, commonly called fight or flight, as we said before, and that's a mechanism that your body goes through. This means with extra blood in the legs, you're ready to run. With extra blood in your arms, you're ready to fight. And while your pupils are dilated, you see better, and adrenaline does all this while speeding up uh, your ability to see, your, your, your ability to move, and your strength. And adrenaline, if it's stored up in the bloodstream, becomes more harmful than helpful. You know, there's things that happen with adrenaline, the after effects is things like insomnia, nervousness, uh, lower immunity towards illness. These are all connected to high stress levels. And, and children and adults with overreaction to, uh, uh, with an overproduction of adrenaline often exhibit uh, ADD, you know, ADHD. Kids may show a high level of reaction to, to noise, fidgeting, excess talking, erratic sleep patterns. And also class learning, uh, learning abilities, like we talked about in the last episode, are very strongly affected. You know, it's believed that some children have higher than normal account amounts of adrenaline if early reflexes such as uh, the startle reflex don't fade away soon after 12 months of age. For adults with ADHD symptoms, which includes, by the way, overreaction to social situations, higher than normal levels of anxiety, perfectionist, workaholic tendencies, the chemicals produced by stress also speed up aging. And so it's very important to understand this. People with high stress responses live uh, in hormonal imbalance. They, they have damaged collagen production and a reduced ability to repair cells. And these signals may uh, be written in facial lines that look like a hard life. I mean, you literally can drive yourself to the grave if you go crazy with adrenaline. You know, but, you know, it, it, on the positive side, it could provide a healthy surge of energy for sports and exercise, which helps aid in the release of stress and tension. And, you know, like deep breathing and regular exercise can help regulate hormone levels and keep them healthy. You know, indoor lighting that doesn't flicker and, and careful selection of television and computer screens can also help minimize a person's stress response because these subtle things actually affect us because we spend so much time interacting with them. You know, effective stress management tools have to be the key. And, and managing adrenaline is extremely, extremely important. Now, let's look at some of these folks that are probably the most hurtful adrenaline junkies, and that's executives. You know, Einstein once said that the de definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. <laughs> so sometimes, however, it isn't stupidity that causes this behavior, but something far more insidious, which is addiction. You know, with uh, the struggle with a, a, a deceptive addiction that hurts people's organizations, their, their families, their job satisfaction. And I'm not talking about the need for drugs, but rather adrenaline. You know, so here's a profile of an executive that has an adrenaline addiction. They're always pecking away at their Blackberries or their Apple uh, phones. They're always talking on their cell phones during five-minute breaks uh, of meetings, checking emails late at night. They go from meeting to meeting to meeting with no time between for reflection or thought. 
They're always overwhelmed. You know, they seem to have a constant need for urgency, even panicked to get them through the day. They cannot grasp the race uh, driver's motto, you have to slow down to go fast. Instead, they keep their foot on the pedal at full throttle, convinced that any uh, deceleration is a lost opportunity. And this can drive people crazy. And, and these kind of executives can run people out of a business in no time. Like an alcoholic after a night binge, you know, drinking, the adrenaline addict will sit at home at night wondering how life became so chaotic, vowing to take back control the next day. And then the next day they do the same thing again and again and again. And there's something particularly insidious about adrenaline addiction that makes it hard for many executive leaders to kick the habit. Unlike addicts whose behaviors are socially frowned on, adrenaline addicts are often praised for their frenetic activity, even promoted during their careers. And so often they wear the problem like a badge of honor, failing to see it as an addiction and and all the pain that it causes the people that work with them. So when confronted about their problem, adrenaline addicts uh, will tell you about their endless list of responsibilities and all the people who need their attention. And while they often complain about it, they quickly brush off any constructive advice from their spouses, friends, co-workers, and they just claim they don't understand. And it is so crazy. But the cost of this is the casualties are the addicts themselves. That's the first cost. As they get busier and busier with no relief in sight, the rush from the addiction subsides, their job satisfaction starts to plummet, activities that once were enjoyed, they, they aspired to do for years suddenly become drudgery, causing the quality of their work to drop. And when they come to the conclusion that they're working harder than ever with less results and personal satisfaction, frustration increases. But the addict is not only a victim, but the rest of everybody around them is whipped into different directions at random based on whatever issue is causing the leader's adrenaline to spike. You know, strategic planning just goes straight out the window, replaced by reactivity and self-inflicted crisis management. And so we have to understand that no one within an organization that's led by an adrenaline junkie is spared from the effects of the addiction. The people who work directly for an addict must respond, even enable the addiction, and inevitably pass the panic down throughout the whole organization. And the effect of this chain reaction is impressive. You know, it's three levels below can be seen as scurrying aimlessly, all because of this adrenaline-induced reaction by a leader on the top. And so it's so important to recognize, do I work for somebody like this? Because you have to manage that. You have to manage your boss. And of course... Uh, your personal life of an adrenaline addict is is not immune. There's decreased job satisfaction, increased stress, and more time at the office affects families in profound and painful ways. And so we have to understand, uh, what is this addiction? And some people would call it uh, sensation seekers. Uh, sensation seeking behavior is a pursuit of, by the way, novel intense experience without regard of physical, social, legal, or financial risk. That's pretty much what a, a sensation-seeking person is all about. It's, it's a general personality trait. And like any personality trait, 50% uh, pretty, pretty much are determined by uh, genetics and, her, and heredity. 
Extreme uh, sports also can be a natural fit for adrenaline junkies. This is a, a productive place, actually, for them if they want to die young. But, you know, if they're adrenaline junkies and they can't get away from it, you know, bungee jumping, rock climbing, auto racing, uh, anything that involves danger. You know, some people find thrill through non-sports activities such as firefighting, police work, military and the higher sensation speakers may, uh, seekers may find the riskiness of these careers a very attractive possibility for them. And in case of, uh, you know, runner's high, if you ever heard of that, running produces a flood of endorphins. And uh, it's kind of like morphine, and it, it suppresses pain in the brain. And, for example, people who are injured in the heat of sports competition or in battle often don't notice their injury until the action stops. And so the endorphins are associated with mood changes. And, and it's not unusual for a, a typical, like, avid runner uh, running regularly for a few miles and slowly increases to 10 to 15 miles to feel the satisfaction of the workout. They develop a sort of tolerance and a high for these high-intensity activities. So as their body gets used to producing this adrenaline, they, they get more and more high from the endorphins also that are created. And so runners, if you notice, they could run forever. They just keep increasing, increasing, increasing their time. And so people who seek High sensation experiences are more, more vulnerable, by the way, to substance abuse. High sensation seekers tend to perceive more benefits and fewer risks. You know, uh, drinking uh, is one of the things that people uh, that are sensation seekers tend to go to because it deadens pain. It deadens their sense of feeling. And, uh, you know, scientists, by the way, have discovered that some similarities between uh, brains of drug users and, and sensation-seeking people. High sensation-seekers are uh, overstimulated by novel experiences, and drugs-seeking uh, people are, are seeking that experience, that high, from the drug. And so uh, the sensation-seeking trait... It might have been useful for early humans, but now that we're more docile people, it is not that helpful. And by the way, we have to also understand what, what is uh, adrenal fatigue? Well, this is the feeling after the adrenals are, are firing due to the perception of stress and, and producing uh, adrenaline. And they, they become overtaxed and they begin excreting so many stress hormones that the, that the body begins to shut down. And this is why you feel exhausted if you're always dealing with high amounts of stress and never really getting an opportunity to unplug from the demands of life. Uh, this creates a, a feedback loop that in the body is associated with the fight or flight response. So specifically, the adrenals modulate a process initiated by the sympathetic nervous system. When our body encounters a threatening, stressful situation, hormones of adrenal medulla contribute to this response. And, and, and uh, the epinephrine is a hormone that is known more commonly as adrenaline, is rapidly responds to stress and increases your heart rate, as we talked about before. It gets blood to the muscles and the brain, and it spikes your blood sugar level by helping uh, convert uh, uh, glucose in the liver. Uh, glycogen is a liver storage uh, form of glucose, by the way. Norepinephrine is also known as noradrenaline, and this hormone works with epiprine, 
in response to stress. However, it can cause uh, narrowing of blood vessels, and this is results in high blood pressure. So, uh, you know, the first stage uh, is knowing that you're having this adrenal fatigue as you're tired and you're wired, so you're both. So the adrenals fire more in the morning as part of a healthy system, and then they're fatigued, and then they'll instead they'll fire at night, leading to insomnia when you already feel tired. Uh, the, the second stage of adrenal uh, exhaustion is your body is uh, also full of cortisol more often, though you may get a little boost of energy at night. You feel sluggish, uh, foggy brain during the day and have a hard time going to sleep. And uh, this is because this is a high cortisol state. And, and then a full adrenal burnout, and this resembles how a person feels in early pregnancy or a new baby at home, exhausted all the time. And, and so we have to be aware, if you're going to be an adrenaline junkie or if you follow adrenaline in your life and have it, you, you have to understand it comes with a price. And the adrenal glands will wear you down. So you'll have high energy and then you'll crash and burn. High energy and crash and burn. And so you can go into... Uh, a full adrenal burnout, and that could last for days, weeks, months, and years. So, so learning to manage adrenaline and use it to your benefit is a great thing. You know, there, we went into some of the types of uh, adrenaline junkies that are out there, and uh, I'll try to put them in more human terms also because the the uh, TCI test, the TCI uh, 235. That test is very important to take if you have a problem with adrenaline, but also you can you can uh, find these types of people by looking around by the symptoms, and and so some of the there there's uh, basically four different categories. There's an accomplisher. This is a very classic adrenaline addict. Uh, this one. Uh, almost innate need to stay busy, cross things off a list in order to feel productive. They like to they like to be able to measure daily progress in terms of what they've completed, even at the expense of bigger, longer term view. They, these accomplishers are are more uh, s uh, susceptible to developing an adrenaline addiction because they're prone to take on more and more work. As we talked about the that executive, there's also. Uh, another type is uh, the personal deflector, and uh, this type of person uses their addiction to keep from assessing themselves or reflecting on their situation. So they create, uh, uh, they often have problems in their personal life because they deflect, they push everything off on other people, and they create mass chaos. And the last thing they want to do is face up to their own responsibilities. They convince themselves that they have no time for personal lives, which is sadly one that only acerbates the problem and prolongs the pain of dealing with somebody like this. There's also the organizational uh, deflector. This type of person is avoids what they do, the issue being avoided is trouble within an organization. This uh, Sometimes a CEO or a, se a senior executive of a struggling company, they convince themselves and others that they're too busy to stop and take the honest look at the company's situation. And as the company spirals, the adrenaline addict only works harder, trying to be convinced that the problem can be solved by working more hours at breakneck speed, and they will do anything that can avoid uh, confronting the real problems, which are often more fundamental and require real change. And the last one is called the dramatist. And, and some adrenaline addicts have a degree of satisfaction from this addiction because it gives them the opportunity to draw attention to themselves and their plight. And they repeatedly complain about their overwhelming situation 
in search of admiration or pity from anybody that will listen to them. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to go into adrenaline and arousal and how that works and where adrenaline junkies live and the most exciting adrenaline activities in the world. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about adrenaline and and how to overcome the addiction uh, to adrenaline. And uh, like any other addiction, the first step is to acknowledge the problem and to declare a desire to eliminate it. Uh, Until that happens, there really is no hope of improvement. You know, people, once they're addicted to this stuff... It's very hard for them to kick the habit because it becomes a lifestyle for them. And some people uh, really praise people that live like this. And, they, you know, they admire people that live like this. But what they don't realize is that they're killing themselves. You know, the second step is for them to let their peers and subordinates know that they are trying to kick this habit. And because many of these people have become enablers over the years and have learned to play to the person's addiction, these people must be given very explicit permission to stop enabling that behavior. And finally, an adrenaline addict needs to be confront uh, whatever issue underlies their problem. 
it fits these categories that I was talking about in the previous segment. The accomplisher, they may, it might be a false need to prove that they are worthy of, of their job. If a personal deflector, it will involve having courage to look at their lives holistically and honestly and maybe with the help of a counselor of some kind. God forbid. The organizational deflector needs to embrace, uh, you know, the brutal facts about their business and, and the fact that there are bigger problems and they may need to consult someone to assist them. And then there's this dramatist. They probably need to address a, dip, a, a deeper sense of an issue in their lives, one that involves their self-esteem, and they need to disconnect their personal needs from their organization. So... You know, looking at this, the, the cause of so much of these issues in, in adrenaline, it, it just has an, a ripple effect in everybody's life that, if, that is affected by this person that has adrenaline. You know, you, you may scoff at the elaboration of death-defying uh, uh, acts that people do, and you may like to tune in to watch these death-defying acts, but... Uh, that's not really a good idea. You know, it's not wise to live a life like that. And, and so, you know, the science behind arousal is very important to understand. The, the key is the link between arousal and, and, and attraction. And, and so when we look at adrenaline junkies, and by the way, we're talking about a sexual prowess here. Um, research has found that, that arousal is both neurological and physical with the brain releasing neurotransmitters in response to stimuli and the body reacting with its more uh, obvious responses. You know, you would think that arousal is always the result of sexual attraction, but as it turns out, it's in reverse. In 1973, in what ended up being uh, one of the most famous studies on psychology of attraction, uh, Donald Dutton and, and uh, Arthur Aaron set out to reveal that physical arousal, specifically reactions to scary situations, can actually impact sexual attraction. The study's main experiment, by the way, had men between ages 18 and 35 approach an attractive woman. Some had to uh, uh, cross high, a rickety bridge to reach her. Others only needed to cross a low, stable bridge. At the end of each bridge, the women gave the men a questionnaire. She told them that, that if they wanted to know more about the questionnaire, they could call her, and she handed over her phone number. The result? The men on the shaky bridge included more sexual content and imagery of their questionnaire responses than the safe bridge crossers. Moreover, two out of 16 participants on the low bridge called the women, while half of the 18% of the uh, people on the higher bridge the one that's rickety and unstable took the opportunity to call afterwards. So to the psychologist, the study said something intriguing about sexual attraction. It can transpire from arousal in the form of fear. And, and the, the results of these studies, uh, which were wrote way back 1974, would seem to provide a basis of support for an emotional uh, sexual attraction link. And so it's very important to, to grab on to the idea that physical arousal doesn't have to be fear-based. Um, it, it's also understood that, um, that the researchers also have found that the increase of adrenaline from exercise resulted in uh, increased levels of attraction between members of the opposite sex. So there it goes, people that are meeting at the gym. 
you know, feelings as, as we're struggling to know can be interpreted in, in many, many ways. And, and so what's what's behind this arousal attraction link? Well, it's, it's, it's misattribution of arousal. You know, all sorts of stimulation can arouse you, getting your blood pumping, your hormones flying, parachuting out of a plane, being mugged. These can elicit similar body responses. In certain circumstances, when arousal from fear or intense physical activity resembles sexual arousal, there's an object presence and the brain connects that to sexual attraction. So, you know, this adrenaline junkies also end up finding themselves in uh, in more sexual situations and sexually impulsive situations because adrenaline is very similar to sexual arousal it sends that signal to the brain you know so uh, you know real love of course relies on more uh, fleeting arousal but even uh, love involves physiological arousal including quicker heartbeats and an adrenaline rush when someone sees the person they love their brain signals to the adrenaline gland and the resulting physical effects can feel similar to those that experience like after a run, for example. So real life, here's a real life dating strategy. Just because the attraction may be misattributed doesn't mean it's not really happening or can't actually result in a, in a real attraction. It's all about the right context. For thrill seekers and adrenaline junkies, Planning dates that contain these aspects is really playing in their favor. So, you know, use, use that sense of what, uh, what will use you to get you into an attraction situation with, with somebody. But the other thing is, you know, you have to look at uh, the shows like The uh, Bachelorette or The Bachelor. They use all these fascinating, incredible uh, opportunities to put people in very awkward situations that they've never been in before, and they put them in those scenarios to try to get that adrenaline up because that causes the sexual attraction. I mean, they don't do that just for entertainment. They also do that for arousal. So, you know, understanding this mechanism is very important to understanding how people can connect and be attracted. So where do these adrenaline junkies live and work and thrive? Well, uh, there's a guy that uh, his name's Steve Andrews, and he writes for a magazine called The Climb, and he put in uh, several places. One of them, the most, one of the biggest ones was Ogden, Utah. Ogden is the little cousin to the much more uh, densely populated Salt Lake City, and it's about 40 miles away. And the number of ski companies that are headquartered there is a reason to take notice because the currently there's like 16 in that industry alone in Ogden and if you have more uh, traditional look at it there are other companies and in ind- uh, industries in Ogden that give that city a very strong uh, opportunity for adrenaline junkies not to mention there's world-class skiing hiking mountain biking that they, they can get people very excited another place that adrenaline junkies live and thrive is uh, North Vancouver BC that's up in Canada and, and this is one of the best options for the Canadians, by the way, because the North Shore is one of the rare places where you can do your own adventure race in a single day. Uh, three local ski resorts are close by. Whistler is just over an hour and, and the, uh, uh, down the highway. And it's also home to world-famous shore-style mountain, bu- mountain biking, kayaking. Hiking are also great options in that place. Uh, bald eagles uh, are all over the place. And, uh, you know, you can, uh, it's also home to big outdoor brands such as uh, G3 
And uh, the metropolis of Vancouver is only a bridge away. So, you know, it's huge to look at North Vancouver. That's where they live. Bend, Oregon. Bend, B-E-N-D. Many people have no idea that this place even exists. But the locals love it. Uh, you know, my, I might have even, uh, I might get poo-pooed for this, but this place is a uh, favorite city in the U.S. And it, uh, the Duchess River runs through it. And it gives it a dry climate and an abundant whitewater and fishing opportunities. And in the winter, it's uh, Mount Bachelor is right there, giving those who know the amazing uh, terrain and snow from what Steve has said. And in the summer, the mountain biking and rock climbing attracts people from everywhere. So there's plenty of things to go around in that city. Boise, Idaho. Boy, all you think about is potatoes when you think of that city. But it's, uh, and as a matter of fact, it's on their license plate, Famous Potatoes. And, and this probably makes the local outdoor nuts very happy, but there simply isn't enough room to, for the, the world-class fishing, biking, skiing, hiking, whitewater, and hunting on, on such a small place. Uh, within a two-hour drive is Sawtooth Mountains, one of the most scenic areas in the United States. Also, it has the cleanest air in the lower 48, and that's from the Environmental Protection Agency. And in Boise... They have a thriving tech and food sector, and there, so there's plenty of jobs there. Ventura, California, another place for these addicts. If you're a surfer, this could be your city because it's within an hour from L.A., and everything it has to offer, is, it, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Patagonia is based there, and that, that's an outdoor uh, store. Uh, or manufacturer, and it's one of the best companies, by the way, to work for, uh, according to Forbes. And it's also a bonus that the Channel Islands are a short boat right away, and so that gives you to you know uncrowded surf conditions. So if you're a surfer, venture a California. How about Honolulu, Hawaii, largest city on this list? But it also gives access to some of the world's best surfing and fishing, and the city itself enjoys a very good economy. Uh, while on the island of Oahu, you can immerse yourself in water, whether it be uh, surfboard, kayak, scuba, uh, spear gun, hiking opportunities, mountains are breathtaking. Give yourself a well-rounded palate. So these are good places to go if you are an adrenaline junkie. So what are some of the most exciting adrenaline activities in the world? And uh, there's a, a, a Brit and company put a real good list of uh, adrenaline junkie must-dos. And so here is, here's a few must-dos that are out there. There's the Paraglide in Interlaken, Switzerland. And Interlaken is practically the capital of all things adrenaline. So, of course, this breathtaking place is on the list. Paraglide your way through the jaw-dropping Jungfrau region of Switzerland to feel like a bird. That is incredible. Also, you could slide down the world's tallest water slide in Kansas City, Kansas. And, and it's not like the water slides of your youth. It, it's, it's, uh, it's unless you went down a slide that dropped 168 feet straight down and shot you back up only to drop you 50 more feet. That's what this slide does. Apparently, this slide is one of the Adrenaline Junkies' favorites in the United States. Also, you could hike one of the most dangerous trails in the world on Mount Hassan, China. This hike is not for somebody that fears heights. 
you know, it's, if you're an adrenaline junkie, this concept is amazing for you. It's one of the most dangerous hikes in the world. It features steep staircases, vertical ascents, and some boards bolted into the mountainside. What could be scarier than that? I don't think I could ever do that. Now, here's something. This is really cool. This is a trend that's going on around the world, and that is dinner in the sky. Yes, dinner in the sky. They do this in Belgium. And, and it's now, it's, apparently, it's around about 40 different countries. I imagine it's here in the United States. I haven't heard of it. But when I read this article, I blew my mind. Uh, I think uh, Paris has it, Milan, Brussels. But what they do is they basically hook you up to a crane and dangle you, you over uh, in a, like a container and just dangle you over a city. And you're just up there in this box that's on a crane and you eat dinner and your feet are hanging off the, uh, off the box. I mean, talk about adrenaline rush. I don't know how I could do. And if you have adrenaline going, it's going to be real hard to be hungry. But some people love dinner in the sky. Also, you could ride the world's steepest roller coaster in, uh, and I'm, pardon me if I mispronounce it, Fiji Yoshina, Japan. And uh, this thing is uh, Fiji Q Highland, which is an amusement park. This is the steepest roller coaster in the world. It's called the Takabisha. And uh, it goes from zero to 62 miles an hour in two seconds. Two seconds. In Vienna, Virginia, did you know that you could become weightless um, and you can float around space in a uh, modified 727? Uh, the plane dips and arcs its way into a weightless environment through movements, and those movements are called parabolas. And so you could do that in Vienna. And uh, you could also wing walk, wing walk in Gloucestershire, England. You know, uh, if you want to catch some major air, wind walking is the answer. You'll be taught by a team of wing walking pros and then strapped, that's right, to the wing of a plane. And then the pilot will work their magic getting you your heart rate up. This is an adrenaline junkie's dream. You can also walk on water in the Florida Keys. And uh, this is amazing. You, you get jetpacks, and they burst you up, and you feel like some sort of cool superhero, apparently, and you uh, see the very clear water over the Florida Keys. So that's another thing that you can do. And there's one last thing. It's a canyon swing in Queenstown, New Zealand. And if bungee jumping isn't enough, you can uh, swing, which is, I guess, less jerky than bungee jumping, and you free fall almost 200 feet, and then you swing into the shot over canyon and you can pick over uh, 70 different types of jumps on this thing. So that's our show. I was just trying to leave you with some information if you are an adrenaline junkie of how you can make it even worse, which is not healthy, but that's the way it goes. So now our next show is going to be about adoption. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now remember, when you see the same old people at family events poking you saying, you're next, at weddings, poke them back at a funeral and say, you're next. <laughs> also, if you have a panic attack, put a brown paper bag in your face and drink the vodka in it. It works like a charm. All right, that's our show. Once again, we're going to talk about adoption on our next show. Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.